baseball. No crying. And this game's underway. Into the windup of his first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my Set God. Deep to right field. Way up there. High, oh, high. And look who's coming up. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Here's the payoff pitch. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome in to Payoff Pitch, Action Network's Major League Baseball betting podcast. We are presented by BetMGM. It is Friday, September 22nd. Fall is here. We're very close to the month of October in playoff baseball. But we're coming down the stretch strong here, hopefully, as it pertains to the regular season. Brendan Glasheen with Charlie Desterco and BJ Cunningham, your normal Friday crew. We are here Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. During the baseball season, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast you want to be locked in if you enjoy playoff baseball. And like I said, we will have payoff pitch during the playoffs. More to come uh, as the season comes down the wire. We will have more details as to how we will deliver the podcast during the playoffs. If you are watching on the Action Network YouTube channel, we do understand we have people that watch the stream. Uh, please subscribe to our channel and also like the video if you enjoy Payoff Pitch. Okay, 15-game slate. We don't have a ton of bets because, again, folks, this time of year, it's like this guy is getting called up and this guy is getting called down and this guy is scratched because he doesn't care anymore. It's just that kind of time in Major League Baseball. So with that in mind, best bet for Charlie today. What do you got? Speaking of a young prospect getting the call up, Sawyer Gibson Long of the Detroit Tigers has been incredible in his first two starts uh, as a rookie. I like the Tigers over the first five here against the Athletics. They've taken a lot of sharp money over the last hour or so. That line up to like 135, 140, I would still take it at that point. Uh, Gibson Long is really good. You look at his two starts, 10 innings, just six hits and 16 strikeouts. He's getting a lot of swing and misses. He's attacking the zone. Opponents are hitting just 137 expected against him. So while he won't likely sustain a strikeout rate above 40% and a hard hit rate that's as low as 25%, he's getting a great matchup against the Athletics here. They're bottom five in WRC plus against right-handed pitching. They're not great across the board. And the Tigers are are, are slowly playing a lot better. Uh, it's, their hitting has kind of come around. Spencer Torkelson has really taking a step up, especially against left-handed pitching. Kerry Carpenter has been great. Even against left-handed pitching, we've seen him start to play a little bit more. And Ken Waldachuk gets the mound opposite Gibson Long, and I just have these two pitchers in completely different views. I think the starting pitching edge is huge here. Waldachuk, as as he is just about average in strikeout rate, hard hit rate, expected batting average, his XFIP up above five, his XERA right under five, so... He doesn't grade out well, according to advanced metrics. He is getting a Tigers team that's hitting the ball a lot better as of late and in their positive split against the lefty. And Oakland in their negative split against a guy who I'm still continuing to buy. His stuff is grading out really well, Gibson Long. So give me the Tigers over the first five here, minus whatever, 135, 140. Okay, BJ, best bet for Friday. What's up? Braves, Nationals over nine runs, minus 105. Patrick Corbin versus Charlie Morton. I feel like this is a matchup from like 2008 or something. But anyway, they're still <laughs> pitching. Uh, Charlie Morton, I think has been discussed quite a bit on this podcast. Negative regression candidate. Expected ERA about a full run higher than his actual ERA. And really what it is with Charlie Morton is he only has one pitch. Like he throws his curveball more than any other pitch, but 
outside of that pitch, nothing else grades out really well. Every other pitch is a stuff plus rating below 100. So even if you look at his last two starts, I mean, he's given up 10 earned runs. So he has not been pitching very well as of late. Uh, and he's going against the Nationals lineup that, yes, has pretty much quit. Like they're dead last over the last 30 days and waited on base average. So uh, obviously that's not great. But again, this is still a negative regression candidate on the mound. He'll be going against our good buddy, Patrick Corbin, uh, who, you know, pitched better as, you know, when we got to maybe late July, early August. But then from that point on, he's just been pitching terribly. You know, for overall for the season, 5.9 expected ERA. For the last two months, expected FIP over five. Uh, so, and obviously the Braves lineup, doesn't matter if you throw righties, lefties, or whatever pitch you throw at them, they will crush it. So uh, I projected a little over 10 runs for this game. So over nine runs at minus 105 for me. And for Morton, the, the walks are up too. A ton of walks yep. here. Uh, yeah, over four walks in September right start. It's, yep. it's, also, it's also hard to cap motivation, but I do think that the Braves offense is looking to get back like on track. They, they lost, yeah. they got swept by Miami. They lost two out of three against Philadelphia. They scored 10 runs and they hung 10 on the Nats last night. And and I, I was listening to the broadcast because I had an Olsen home run prop. And they just kept talking about the Braves saying that they need to play better down the stretch and they need to be winning entering the postseason, especially after this recent slot. So I think you're going to get an angry Braves lineup that's seeing the ball extremely well. And myself, I've, I've dabbled in some Austin Riley because if you've looked at how well he's performed over the last couple of weeks, he has a 333 average, a pair of home runs. He crushes Patrick Corbin, crushes lefties in general, one of the best. Uh, has the second most home runs against lefties on the team. So I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, especially from Atlanta's side. And they've got, well, they played the Nats last night, but they've got the Nats six more times, including uh, tonight, and then they've got the Cubs sandwiched in there. But after this series in, in D.C., they're home the rest of the way. So I'm sure they'll, they can manage it, but to, Charlie, uh, to Charlie's point, they're going to want to get going here before they start playoff baseball. Uh, let's look at uh, Fade the Public. We didn't do this Tuesday because the data wasn't in yet uh, in the app, but we've got it today. And uh, our buddy Dean Kramer and the Orioles getting 94% of the bets, 95% of the dollars. Uh, they're taking on Shane Bieber and the Cleveland Guardians. Guardians on the money line, Charlie, minus 120. Orioles at even money at plus 100. Totals at eight. Uh, are you with the people here siding with Kramer and company? Public election. That's the only reason that this might fly. How are we going to handle the public? Dude, the, the Orioles make my life a living nightmare. I, I can't <laughs> figure this team out for the life of me. I Every time I bet them or they don't do that great. And then when I fade them, they have this seventh to ninth inning comeback. Cedric Mullins robs a home run, then hits a home run the next inning. It's incredible. But I don't have a... Uh, play on this side or total here but I do lean to the over obviously if you've read any of my triple sevens I consistently fade Dean Kramer that's because his barrel rate's about 10 percent he gives up a lot of hard hits uh, and a decent amount of home runs though he's kind of limited over the last few weeks but the hard hit rate is still there and Shane Bieber on the mound making his return these are two guys that have near five X ERAs so I don't know how deep Bieber will pitch. He'll probably get, you know, a longer leash because he just pitched around four his last rehab start. But two arms that are below average and guys that we've faded all season long, getting a, getting a start in a, you know, kind of meaningless game. I guess the, the Orioles are right. still playing for that East division, but the, the, the Guardians are all but done. Uh, they're just trying to get Bieber to look good, which he might even stay out a little bit longer as he gets hit just to get some 
innings under his belt. But I like the over if you're going to play here, but I don't have an official play. He hasn't pitched since July 9th, Shane Bieber. Mm-hmm. Right elbow inflammation. He is back. I mean, this, this is weird. Why don't you just shut the guy down? I mean, yeah. what's the purpose yeah. of getting him out there? Trade, yeah, let's, let's boost him. his offseason <laughs> trade stock. I, I don't yeah. know. Um, what do you think, BJ? Well, I think what we saw with Shane Bieber before he got hurt was that he was wildly overperforming his expected metrics. I mean, he was a 3.7 ERA pitcher with the expected ERA sitting close to five. And really what's happened with Bieber is velocity has been down. His stuff plus has been down. And now his strikeouts are down. You know, Bieber, when he was at his best in 2020 and 2019, he was striking out, you know, 10 to 12 batters per nine. Well, now we're down to seven going up against an Orioles lineup that is, you know, a top 10 lineup in Major League Baseball. I don't need to dive into Dean Kremer, uh, like for the seven millionth time on this podcast. Like he's an over, he's a, it, I mean, the guy is just a never ending <laughs> nightmare in my life. Uh, I've, he's cost me so much money this season. So, yeah, the Guardians lineup has probably quit. Um, so we'll see what happens. But you know what? We trudge on through to the to the playoffs. But yeah, over eight runs at minus one hundred five for me. Uh, just I projected nine point one. So uh, with these two starting pitches on the mound, I think the total is a little too low. Yeah, and and the Orioles still have to kind of try, right? Because Tampa's right on their uh, yeah. right on their back with. Okay. I also have a Tampa six to one to win the. Uh, um, East ticket, so this is kind oh. of wire. So Dean Kramer will hurt he'll, you even more. Yeah, he'll do it again. He'll do it again, Brendan. All right, best of luck. Payoff pitch is presented by BetMGM. Use the bonus code ACTION when signing up. Ticket up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> Under our underdogs for Friday, Charlie, uh, looking at the board, what team jumps out? Where might there be an edge for a dog tonight? Where's my dog? Uh-huh. Where's my dog? Where's my dog? Yeah, so my favorite underdog, I have this number flipped. It's the Diamondbacks against the Yankees. Brandon fought against Luke Weaver. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to give a, a, a sob story about how much I love Brandon Fott like uh, Anthony DeBundo would be doing here. But he does have a nearly run uh, lower expected ERA versus actual. He's above average with his command. And I think the strikeouts are only going to go up as his stuff kind of does. His biggest issue is the fact that he is barreled a decent amount and gives up a lot of fly balls. Well, the wind's blowing in here in Yankee Stadium. So I, I expect him to kind of be able to take on this Yankees lineup. and. Really, when you look at Fott, when he's since he's come up, he has occasional blowups. Like he's had a three home run game against the Cubs, a two home run game against the Dodgers. But since July third, he's given up a home run in just four of nine starts. So he's limiting the long ball. He's pitching a lot better. We've seen him and what he's capable of, and he's getting a Yankee lineup that is just about average. Um, frankly, they're below average against right-handed pitching this season, but. You know, the lineup has changed so much over the last month or so, but on the year 26th against right-handed pitching with a, around the Nationals and Athletics rankings uh, for WRC+. And Luke Weaver is just horrific. Like, there, there's no other word to really describe him. I don't know how he's still pitching in the bigs. It's his third team in as many – third team in this season. Uh, he 
was with the Reds, then the Mariners, now the Yankees. His expected ERA just shy of six. He doesn't strike out batters. He's in the bottom 5% in expected batting average. He doesn't generate chases or whiffs, so he has to attack the zone because he doesn't get swings out of the zone. And he gets barreled a ton. So it's just a horrible matchup here. I'm not sure why the D-backs are not favored in this matchup. Uh, They have the better offense ever so slightly. Obviously, Aaron Judge can change things with the swing of a bat. But from top to bottom, the edge is D-backs. Starting pitching edge is very heavily in favor of the D-backs, in my opinion, just when looking at these two guys. And, you know, the Yankees might have a slight edge in the bullpen. But I, I just think this number, I can't get to you know, them being underdogs here. So I, I favor them. I would back them all the way to minus 110 to a pick them here on the road. And BJ, one of our favorite pitchers in the second half of the season, yeah. uh, to use Tanner McGrath's phrase, he calls him Cole Hamels Reagans. Yeah. Uh, pitching tonight against the Houston Astros. And you like the Royals. I do at plus 210. Um, I mean, Cole Reagans is awesome. Like two, 2.9 expected ERA. He did just get blown up by the Astros in his last start. So you could say that's a bit concerning, but then you dive in deeper, you'll see that his ex-fit at that start was only 3.3. And Framber Valdez, when he went seven innings against the Royals, gave up six hits, his ex-fit was 3.4. So a little bit of a unlucky situation there for Reagans. And if you look through all of his advanced metrics, I mean, he's it's just it's really just pops off of the charts. He's only got like a 4.5% barrel rate allowed that's in the 90th percentile among major league starting pitchers. He's consistently getting good swings and misses. And he's going up, obviously, against Framber Valdez, who's been a fade candidate on this podcast for a really, really long time now. I mm-hmm. uh, don't need to dive into Framber, as I've done, I think, 12 times already this year. But just not getting the ground balls that he has been in the past, which has allowed his you know expected ERA to rise. You know, when you're primarily a sinker and a curveball pitcher – and not having a good ground ball rate, that is usually why your uh, numbers continue to rise. So um, I only projected the Astros at minus 172, so plus 210, uh, some decent value on the Royals as an underdog. Okay, a couple more before we go. Charlie's got triple sevens coming soon in the Action app, actionnetwork.com, and he'd like to tease what he'll be writing about, and you'll, you'll give out some of the legs of the triple sevens. What do you got? And I have a one more for the road. Yeah, I'll give out – well, I gave out Austin Riley earlier just mentioning how well he performs against yes. left-handed pitching and us you know, fading Patrick Corbin. The other one I'll give out, and then the last one you'll have to go to the article to see – it's the third straight day I'm doing this, but I'm going with Mookie Betts against Sean Mania to hit two bases and to hit a home run. I like I've yesterday I bet him and he hit three balls that were about 355 to 375 uh, to deep center and deep right, never left the yard. But he gets a left-handed pitching matchup once again, and his WRC plus is nearly 200, and his ISO is around 389 against left-handed pitching. So he crushes lefties and and I was diving deep into the numbers of just how well he is against lefties and you look and it's uh 32% of all his hits have left the park against left-handed pitching and 64% of all his hits have gone for extra bases so more than live for two plus bases more than live for a home run and if you look at how well he's how well obviously he had a dip after the Braves series but he's starting to hit the ball better if you looked at his at bats he's hitting it harder with a Larger uh, mile per hour output. And Manaya, he's got about a 10% barrel rate career worst. He's pitching out of the pen. Well, now he's starting the last couple of days, but mostly pitching out of the pen. But 
if you look at his numbers, still has home run issues. And I like the Dodgers here uh, and, well, specifically Mookie Betts to get the job done. Okay, good stuff. And again, you can check that out in the action app. Charlie will have a full breakdown. So you just remind everybody, you do... You bet each of these guys their total bases, uh, two plus total bases and home run, correct? Yeah. So essentially, an extra base hit cashes, two hits cashes, but ideally the home run and it all in one. Uh, so I, I you kind of don't go heavy on the home runs, you know, a little bit on the home runs and a little bit more on the total bases. But if there's anything like the last couple of weeks for me, if the guys are going to walk three times and the bases don't count when they're walks. So yeah. Dude, <laughs> walks are not total yeah. bases. That's tilting. Uh, are you still parlaying those? I I I mean no the the article says what the pay, the payout is. I normally don't parlay them. It's just one of those. The whole idea and concept around it is if you wanted to play a lottery ticket, but uh, I I only do it once every now and then when I really like the lineup. All right. BJ, you got anything else? You good? Honestly, no. That's it for me. Those three picks is it. It's this. It's just like you mentioned off the top. It's the time of year, Brendan, where. Yeah, a lot of teams have quit, and it's very clear that they've quit. And I don't feel like wagering a lot of my money on a lot of these underdogs who are <laughs> vastly they do have value, but have quit. So, well, um, even the teams that are good, like they're calling yeah. guys. I saw the Rays called up one of their best prospects. Well, gonna, I think they're going to try and use him. Uh, you yeah. can petition to get him into the postseason, and that they're going to. I think they're calling him up to get him work to then use him in the postseason. <laughs> Only the Rays know that role. I guarantee yeah. none other team knows that role. But the Rays obviously <laughs> know it by heart, I bet. Uh, okay, uh, quick 30 seconds before we go. Um, we consulted. Well, BJ, you weren't there because you maybe were on a bench and you had other responsibilities. But, I did, yeah. Uh, I would like to take a quick victory lap. The Los Angeles Angels win total at the All-Star break <laughs> was 79 and a half. And I went right up to Sean Zarillo. I went to Charlie, Colin Whitchurch, the whole team of baseball people at action and i said they're not they're not getting to 80 wins and now a lot played out right otani mess uh trout was out for a while but uh two straight years brendan glasheen angels under at the break it, it hits once again so charlie i'm sorry i know you had the angels to make the playoffs but uh, <laughs> you know i mean it's it's the same old story with that team trout gets hurt otani can't do everything and then that, that, them going all in at the deadline might have been one of the most idiotic moves I've ever seen. But but it was a great you know. moment, though. And then they wait. That's right. And BJ yeah. loved it. Then they waved <laughs> all those guys. Oh, it's great. I mean, great. think about that moment, though, when you decide to go all in. I mean, the rush that you feel like we're going to make the playoffs. So Tommy and they, and Trout, in they started doing well. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> can you imagine if we just get in the playoffs, what we can do? And yeah, of, course, all, of course it all blew up. But that moment, whew, that rush, man. <laughs> You just you basically just call the LA Angels and their front office like sports betters. Like the rush that they feel. Imagine what could happen. No, no, that is irresponsible gambling. We always make sure to gamble, gamble responsibly <laughs> in, in life. Okay. Um we'll but yeah, I mean it, it is a rush, like quite yeah. frankly. I bet you uh their owner was just like, let's just do it. Like, who cares? Let's just <laughs> yeah. Do it. yeah, I can't imagine we're gonna get a number in the high seventies. Probably going to be in like the sixty range God, at the break next year. Otani, they are going to be like be so bad. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah. They could be moving Trout too. Who knows? Um, or they try to build around them. But anyway, that's uh, a, a story for, <laughs> for no another day. Yeah, let's not get into the Angels for another ten minutes <laughs> like we always do. Left. Okay, but that's it. Uh, that's a story for down the road. 
for Charlie DeSterco, BJ Cunningham, Brendan Glasheen. Thanks for tuning in to Payoff Pitch. If you're sticking with us during this odd time of year for the sport, uh, again, we have episodes coming uh, during the postseason. Stay tuned for that. We will talk to you again on Monday. Have a great weekend. Best of luck. And thanks for listening. Look at this crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.